there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. In this episode, I want to do another job-related overview video. I'm not really getting super into the specifics. Um, I Like I mentioned in the last um, episode, there are people who have literal entire companies dedicated to supporting um, all of the career moves for nurse practitioners. Namely, one of them includes my friend Amanda Garnieri, who has the company The Resume Rx. So I'll absolutely link to a bunch of resources that can be really helpful for you in terms of the detailed implementation of this. Um, but I really want to focus on some like overview concepts of things to watch out for when it comes to like your first job as a nurse practitioner or even like another second or third job, right? Um, maybe these are things that um, you didn't see in other clinic settings and might be nice for you to know, right? So I really want to talk about some of the things I wish I knew going into the job search process. Last episode, I talked about um, job offers, specifically about the breakdown of things to look out for, the differences between administrative time and clinical time, salary considerations, um, and um, number of patients you're seeing per day, in addition to some other things. But in this episode, I really want to talk about um, how to kind of like what I wish I kind of like assessed of the clinic. Um, and again, this is more of an overview and less of a how-to, but um, when I started, when I got a job, basically what I did is I pulled up Google Maps and I typed in primary care offices and I literally like went through one by one. I made a little spreadsheet and I like cold called or reached out to them in some way or networked, um, looked at their job posting site. Like I did, it was a hustle. It was a bit of a hustle, but um, I do recommend taking a similar approach because a lot of jobs are currently available, but they're not posted online yet. Um, and likely you're actually going to get in the door before all of the app, like once it's posted on the website and then all the applicants you're completing, competing with, right. In terms of like first impressions, things like that. But anyway, so I, I did that process. I got some interviews and then I just kind of like was offered a contract and I like took my job. Luckily it worked out really well with my contract. Um, and I, it, like it could have gone really badly though. <laughs> So definitely check out that last episode to hear about some of those pieces. But things that I realized when I got my second MP job after leaving my first one. So a couple of things to keep in mind. I think first things first, um, talking about orientation, I think is really important. So when I was a new grad, I sort of talked about that, but I didn't really get solid super answers about it. Um, <laughs> which ended up being okay, but there's a huge variety and not standardization of what the orientation process looks like depending on what clinic. So that's one thing that I really is so important to ask and I continue to ask 
when I look for other jobs because it's that's crucial. Am, am I going to see patients day one with no training or support or am I going to have like two weeks or three months or something like that? And I've talked about this in some other episodes, but for new grads, there's no one standard recommendation. And so you really just have to understand yourself, their, their typical schedule and like your capacity. One thing is... Um, I've seen people have two weeks of orientation. I've seen people have three months of orientation, six months, et cetera. And the way that it typically works is no matter how long it is, you start by shadowing um, a provider and seeing patients off of their schedule and kind of like still doing a precepting type of thing where it's like not, it's still your license, but it's not like fully on you yet. And then you kind of progress to your own schedule where you get a certain number of patients per hour, a certain number of patients per day. And then there's some sort of schedule that goes up and up and up until you're at full capacity. And so that's a really important thing that I would have liked to ask a little bit more about um, at the time of the hiring date. I sort of talked about orientation, but I was also a little like bashful in this whole this whole thing, which is why I do recommend checking out those career resources to help you like go in really confidently, um, knowing what to talk about and how to talk about it and like word for word scripts, things like that. Um, but yeah, I didn't really talk about that part. The other thing I didn't really realize, and I don't think I asked any questions about when I was a new grad was about support staff. Um, the staff that, who are the, who are, well, all the staff really, but like, who are the providers? You know, how much experience do they have? Is it a mix of physicians, physician associates, nurse practitioners, etc. right? And how long people have been there? Nice to know. It's a little uncomfortable to talk about sometimes again, which is why those scripts are so helpful, but having like kind of like light conversations about like understanding that, right? And you can kind of get a sense of like people stick around for a while. Is there a lot of turnover? Things like that. The next piece is about the other staff that are not providers, and that can include all the people. And I think one of the things is that it's hard to know when you're a new grad and you're going from being a student to a clinician yourself is like what crucial role those other staff members play. Um, because you just don't know. You're so focused on learning your job that why would you think about that or know about that, right? And so one of the things I did not ask um, but you may want to consider asking and thinking about is who are the people that work in this clinic? I've talked about a little bit about how primary care offices work, a couple of videos, so an, an episode, so I'll link to those down below. But um, with that in mind, there is a whole ecosystem of how this whole thing works. My personal experience, and I've seen this a lot in primary care, is that there's an office manager. There are people who are administrative staff that um, work at the front desk or they work in the call center or there's a separate call center that does the kind of client customer service type of stuff. You have medical assistants um, who work with um, rooming patients and collecting information and doing phone calls to patients, sending letters, obtaining vital signs, things like that. Um, and then you have, um, you might have a lab, you might have um, imaging uh, technicians, right? You might have nurses and um, you could also have other staff, right? You could have um, community health workers, you could have a nutritionist, you could have a psych nurse practitioner, you could have um, a psych community health worker specifically, right? You could have a preventative care team that tracks all of the PAPs and, and mammograms and colonoscopies and follows up with those patients and has a screening program, right? There are, there are like endless things that could be contained in a clinic um, and you don't know until you ask. Um, and so, it's helpful to like go in leading asking about specific things, but I think the most most um, bare minimum crucial is to understand the day-to-day -day staff 
work with working with patients, right? So do you have a medical assistant? Does one medical assistant work with one staff member and you're paired up and you work together forever? Not forever, but you know what I mean? Like ongoing versus is it's like whoever's there for the day versus do we have two, two providers to one medical assistant? Is that the standard? Is that just because we're short staffed right now? etc. Right? What are the things that the medical assistants do? Typically they can kind of volunteer this when you're like, oh, what's tell me about the medical assistants. Like what's what role do they play? Are they matched up together? Do you just kind of shift around? And they can kind of like tell you more about that. Um, but the other piece is about nursing staff. And so if you are listening to this or, or watching this, Melissa, you like saved my life. My first year as, as a nurse practitioner, she was our team nurse. Um, and like, I had no idea how much I would need her help, um, and how helpful she was. So, um, so yeah, so your nurses, um, that you may or may not have a nurse on staff. And so nurses can do things like, um, have their own patient visits for hypertension, follow-up diabetes, education, diabetes, check-ins. They might have, um, anticoagulation protocol visits for patients who are on warfarin, for example, they might have some sort of like written out protocol and sheet and, and dosing suggestions. And then you collaborate together with the provider. Um, they may do, um, vaccine appointments specifically for kids or, you know, for adults or, or whatever. Another thing that typically they do is, um, I've seen this a lot and I've experienced this myself, is that the providers are broken up into teams. And so there's three providers per team on each side of the office maybe. And then there's one nurse that gets paired with that team, one nurse that gets paired with that team. And all of the income, incoming and outgoing communication through phone calls that go through the nurses will go through that specific team. Um, which also kind of relates back to the provider situation of like, what does team-based care look like? As an example, team-based care um, could be like on the days that I'm not in clinic on my administrative day, which I talked about in the last episode, um, you, the, this, these team members will cover my inbox. And so we'll watch out for any urgent labs, things like that. This is a little bit of a meandering episode, but hopefully this is helpful. Um, another piece to think about in terms of support staff is the lab technicians. And so who staffs the lab technicians? Is it on site? Is it part of like your in-house staff? Is it one of the medical assistants that you like they all rotate through and staff the lab? Um, and how do you manage critical results? Do you have a system? I did not have a system my first job and that was very anxiety producing that I have to like just like check, 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 check and only very specific ones got called in versus my second NP job, they had a protocol for all the different lab results, all the different like medium alarm, alarm ranges and then like absolutely like high, high, red flag, call this right now kind of thing. Um, and they had a protocol for tapping in providers on site so that you weren't like on the hook to constantly check your EHR on your administrative days when you were home to make sure that you didn't miss an urgent lab, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that those are some like overarching kind of foundational pieces to understand of like how it works and what I wish I kind of like knew and thought about. There are so many places you can go with this and so many different nuances. Um, again, I will link to the kind of like more expert people in terms of the how-tos of guidance, but um, I'll also be thinking about if there are other things that there um, that I wish that I knew when I was a new grad. Um, it's it's it can be pretty nuanced. It can be pretty nuanced and a lot of things to think about. But hopefully that gives you some insight about um, what to ask for. I guess one other kind of parting piece um, on the note of uh, what I first started talking about in this episode was about um, the orientation process. It's helpful to know if somebody has hired a nurse practitioner before or not, or if you were the very first one. As a new grad, I don't, 
again, this is mentorship type of like opinion advice. You do what you're going to do. You do you, right? But um, I kind of don't recommend that for new grads because if I... It's hard to know what you need if you've never done it before. And if they don't know what nurse practitioners can do or what they need for support, especially in their first year of practice, that might not be the best job for you. Um, I turned that down myself because I was like, you know what? I'm not ready to educate what a nurse practitioner does, what we need, what has to happen, blah, 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 blah. I could do that now pretty comfortably. I'd be like, oh, okay, like here's here's how this works. And I, I understand the differences between you and I, what I know, what you might know, what I need, et cetera. Um, but yeah, the only other piece I want to mention about the orientation process is, um, I really strongly do. And I've said this in a couple of episodes, I do recommend advocating for mentorship for yourself. So, um, what I did per the guidance of my colleague, Christina, who's amazing, um, was ask my supervisor to have an hour of time blocked off either every week or every other week and have time to meet with an experienced clinician to talk about all of my cases from the week that were still stuck in my mind. Not every single one, but there absolutely were cases of labs I felt uncomfortable with, imaging I felt uncomfortable with, um, management of complicated cases um, that I, I just felt like I couldn't sleep well until I got some further acknowledgement of like, was this the right thing? Is there anything else I need to do? Things like that. Um, and you might have to advocate for that for yourself, whether it's in the interviewing process or once you're already on the job. I had no idea until I was already on the job and I felt like I was drowning. And I said, can I please have this? Cause I want to make sure that I don't like quit this job immediately. Cause I'm so overwhelmed. So, um, I do recommend that if you have that opportunity, but again, please check out their resources for the how to, but hopefully this is a helpful overview informational type of episode. Um, yeah. And, and I'll see if there's other things that I can kind of draw in about like the job career related stuff, um, that might be a helpful overview for you. If you haven't grabbed the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories and bonuses. I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review and tell all your NP friends. So together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible, give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.